Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Brown, Bad and Bothered. I'm your host, Andrea, and if this is your first time tuning in, I hope you have a spectacular time exploring this podcast. So I don't know about you lovies, but money and finance stresses me out. I think a lot of us as women, especially South Asian women, find ourselves left out of money talk or financial guidance growing up. And in fact, culturally, we're shunned from being part of this conversation. But the reality is, is that financial literacy and confidence is extremely important in so many ways from our day-to-day lives and just how we feel about ourselves. So to help me out and to help you loveys out, Dia, aka at Cardinal Diaries on Instagram, is joining the podcast. Dia, I would love for you to tell us about yourself. Hi, thank you so much, Andrea, firstly, for having me here. Um, I'm really, really happy to talk about something that I'm so passionate about and very happy to be chatting with you of all people. I really appreciate how you've created this platform for brown women to amplify their voices. So thank you so much for that. Um, my name is Badia and I go by Dia. Uh, my Instagram is Casual Diaries. Uh, well, my name is not Kajal, so most people think that <laughs> that's my real name. I mean, maybe it's my fault for confusing them. But uh, for the longest time, I thought your name was Kajal and was only like two years in. I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> it's most people, like even the people that have become my closest friends from Instagram, they used to think my name is Kajal, but it's actually the other kind of Kajal that my yeah. handle is about, uh, which is like cool. But uh, yeah, so um, when I when I introduce myself, I usually like to tell something that is different than, you know, where I was born or how old I am. So mm-hmm. I am an Aries woman. I'm left-handed. I'm from Pakistan. And I grew up there and moved to the U.S. about 10 years ago. And this June actually marks my 10-year anniversary uh, in the U.S. And um, what else? I have a background in finance, of course. And uh, I studied under the University of London, London School of Economics in accounting and finance. So uh, very happy to be chatting with you about that today. Thank you so much for your kind words. You're literally just hyping me up. And I'm like, I'm the host. I should be hyping you. (laughs) It's a community hype over here. But thank you so much for hopping on. Congrats on 10 years in America. I wonder how you've survived with the recent climate. But, you know, it's great that you're you're happy and you look like it's thriving. So you mentioned that you you have a finance background. So what made you pursue it in terms of education and then also as a career? Yeah, so... um... When I picked finance for me, it was, you know, I only did so because like I was good at it. Um, Honestly, Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of insight at the time about how it's important for women or, you know, I didn't know the things I, obviously you don't know what you know at that age. Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually better at accounting than finance. But when I looked at like, you know, practical applications of being in accounting and the jobs, I, it just didn't gel with me. Um, Mm -hmm. I can do monotonous work. So I, um, as a very restless person, I was like, okay, I need a challenge and I need an evolving sort of an environment in my workplace. Um, I trained and licensed as a financial advisor, uh, which actually resonated with me in, you know, on several levels. Mm -hmm. Um, Firstly, I'm super type A, like I am, you know, a spreadsheet, nerd and like um really good with numbers so Mm -hmm. this work is very satisfying for me um and secondly I got to work with new people every day you know not Mm -hmm. only individuals but their families 
and creating a plan for their finances and, you know, helping them achieve their goals. Um, it just really um, brought me full fulfillment to, you know, to empower people to achieve their goals of financial mm -hmm. and personal because they're usually linked. Um, and that feeling of helping someone like buy a home or, you know, plan for their dream vacation, a wedding or a child's education, um, all of these things were extremely fulfilling for me. Um, and as an empath, uh, it was very rewarding for me emotionally as well. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, financial advisory um, is sales work and it's about, you know, chasing goals and numbers and crushing them, which I was doing really well at. Mm -hmm. um, but in the monetary reward is also really, really good. But it's like, at the end of the day, it's like a rat race, you know, yeah. it's the kind of career where you can never be slacking, where you can never really be. Uh, thinking about taking time off. So I feel like in during the pandemic, along with a lot of other people, I realized that this kind of environment or pace isn't something that's like sustainable um, mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I had accomplished the goals that I had set out uh, in my career. Um, but then after accomplishing them, I realized that this is no longer the, the, the thing that I can do long term. Yeah. Uh, and I'm the kind of of person like you know either I am all in um into what I'm yeah. doing or I'm not so I can half-ass things so that's like my uh entire experience you know in a yeah. nutshell of choosing finance and then choosing to get out of finance as well yeah no that's great like I feel like you've had a whole journey and like as far as I've like spoken about financial careers with people and I guess maybe it's because there's this societal structure of finance bros and the stereotypical view on people who work in finance so like just you saying that sort of appreciation you have and that side that affiliates to your empathy where you can help people's personal goals like I've never heard that side before from someone so just that you get that out of you know working in finance is amazing but also your ability to be like okay I've I've met these goals, but it's no longer aligning with what I want anymore. And I'm probably going to get a burnout. That's not something that, you know, within the South Asian community, I'm sure you had people be like, you have such a good job. It's stable. It's safe. You're making so much money. Some people you mean my mom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? But it's like, it's great that you've put yourself first and your health and joy first and like kudos to you. Um, Thank but you. How did working in finance directly impact your own financial responsibilities and resources and habits? Yeah, that's that's a great question, um, actually. So when you're young and like, you know, you start making money, um, it can be very exciting. And mm -hmm. naturally, as girls, you know, we love spending money on material items like shoes, mm -hmm. bags, fashion and stuff like that. Um, in the finance world, you know, you're also working with really wealthy clients. So you have like the pressure to dress the part, to look the part. And that pressure, you know, in a male dominant culture is always there and it's louder. Um, you know, I know this is true for so many other professions as well, but I know from my experience that it's very prominent in finance. Um, and I feel like as a financial advisor, I had insight into how well you can set yourself up for the future if you structure your finances well. You know, so I, I had the privilege of working with people who were doing really well financially, but didn't come mm -hmm. from a lot or, you know, working with, I mean, I work with every kind of person that you can imagine in my five years as a financial advisor. 
Um, so I just think that, you know, for example, if you're making $1,000 a month, you know, putting aside even $100, like towards a long term goal, can create mm-hmm. a big difference and add to that the compounding effect of investments and that money could be triple fold over the years. Um, this really changed the way that I looked at money and the way that I spent money. Um, you know, you can see a designer bag and you can say, okay, like this is only a thousand dollars. I can swing that, you know, which is kind of cheap for luxury brands, like that's starting, starting price for luxury brands. But then you can also see that that's like half a month's worth of rent, you know, Um, and that's a solo trip to Europe, or that's a year worth of, you know, fee for a certification that you've been wanting to progress in your career. And so working with all sorts of clients really just helps you see firsthand how you can break or make your finances uh, by changing small habits. And I feel like that perspective really helped me, you know, when I was really young and it shaped mm-hmm. my habits for the future. And now that I'm in my thirties, I think that it will stay with me for forever. Yeah, that's so important because I feel like, and I mentioned this in my intro is that women and even like girls, we shunned away from the sort of the men's table where they discuss not only money, but like politics and this and that. So like, we don't get that firsthand experience. Yes, as daughters, we're very responsible for like helping the household out and helping with our parents' responsibilities. But finance is one of those sectors where we're just sort of scrambling and confused and we lack a lot of confidence in it. Sort of like, where do we start? What do we have to do? Do we even have to do this? And I'm sure you have a lot of insight in this. So like when you look at South Asian women and financial security or literacy, like what do you see? What trends do you see? What do you see is lacking? Yeah, um, I think you bring up a really good point because if it, it, it's like in a world where women are pretty much doing everything that men can do. It's just almost, you know, we're like almost expected not to be knowledgeable about certain things. You know, I think it's the same for like sports or finance or like politics. And those are still things that aren't considered to be girl things, which is obviously not a thing anymore, you know. Um, so financial literacy and independence, I feel like it it ties in with everything that we are trying to achieve as women today. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason why our culture doesn't appreciate um, financially independent women uh, is because they're not subject to control anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while you're making good money and taking vacations and buying your dream car, it's also important to balance that Uh, with savings for the future, retirement, a strong investment portfolio, you know, tied with long and short term goals. Um, So I feel like in order to push the envelope, like our generation is trying to do, we also need to do away with the entitlement that others will spend money on on us or take care of us because Mm -hmm. we're women or, you know, you know, we're like brown girls, like we're a daughter. I feel like no matter if it's your father, brother, or husband, you know, we we need to take that entitlement away because in in the same breath that we say that our culture is limiting us from being more knowledgeable in these fields, I feel like we also benefit from it to a certain extent. So mm. when when we want to take away the bad, I feel like some of the um, the comforts will also go. But we have to, you know. Um, be okay with it we have to make our peace with that um you see like evolution is just as much unlearning 
as yeah. learning. So I feel like learning to prioritize your financial stability has to go hand in hand with unlearning toxic ideas that our parents or society may have taught us. And I feel like this cycle of financial literacy will shape us, you know, or our, our future daughters to know from a young age that they are independent and they can fulfill all their goals with, you know, robust planning and a stable financial culture. So you mentioned about toxic traits and what can you say, um, in your opinion, are the negative impacts, like the negative cultural impacts or toxic traits specifically that women experience because of this? That is a wonderful question. So one thing I feel like that most of us don't realize is that health and money um, are somewhat directly correlated and, you know, they create what we call a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. Um, And when women forego a role in long-term financial planning, um, their physical and mental health can deteriorate. And this has been proven by research. Um, financial stress is directly related to problems like high blood pressure, depression, um, cardiovascular health issues. Mm-hmm. So secondly, um, being crippled without you know, the presence of your partner, again, this reduces your quality of life and makes you more um, susceptible to financial abuse from your children and, you know, um, grandchildren or strangers even. So the impact of these actions are actually not on an individual alone, but, you know, it, it impacts a generation or a society as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that has been happening to women in the South Asian culture for decades. Um, And we, I mean, obviously, financial stress is not the only cause, but I feel like it's one of the major causes because um, women are so reliant in many ways on on their husbands or Mm -hmm. on on their sons to provide for them. And being left out of that conversation is creating that ripple effect that we can see, you know, um, in our mothers and grandmothers all across the board. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, whenever I hear... um, older women from older generations say, oh, marriages back in the day were happier. They worked out. The divorce rates are higher now. My first thing is like, my first answer is that was because women couldn't afford to get a divorce. Like if they got a divorce, their financial stability would have disappeared because most likely their husband's family is going to shun them. And her husband has been financially protecting her and her family, you know, will probably be like, we can't help you anymore. That's what happens in many cases. So the older generation, it's not a matter that the marriages were more successful. It was because women were so financially dependent on their partners and families that they couldn't walk away from that, even if they were in a very toxic, abusive relationship. 100%. Yeah. That's why I said that we have to let go of that entitlement as well, thinking Mm -hmm. that somebody else will take care of us um, because it really isn't like that. And you won't believe the amount of people or women that I've met in my career. Um, I'm not only talking about South Asian women, I'm talking about American women mm-hmm. who like doctors, like lawyers, and, you know, they would come to my office for something and I would have a conversation with them around financial planning. And they'd be like, oh yeah, I don't know any of that. You can talk to my husband. And, you yeah. know, to this day, I feel surprised about that. Um, so I agree with you 100% that this is something that we can't neglect at yeah. all. 
And I think we're so conditioned to fear the topic finance that you even like you said, like it's not even about just stay at home moms who may not be working. It's also educated working women in very, you know, um, challenging industries. So clearly they're very smart. They're very capable of handling the topic of finance. But there's such this like conditioning and fear of being like, oh, we don't need to worry about it. That really does need to change. So to convince the women listening on here, what are benefits of being financially independent and financial literacy? And I don't know if we even mentioned like what financial literacy means. If you want to throw in like what it means, also feel free. Sure. I would say like by definition, financial literacy, it's, you know, very straightforward. Just having basic knowledge about what constitutes like a good financial structure or what mm-hmm. what is financial planning. Now, you know, I feel like most people when they hear finance or I feel like when people, my uh, colleagues, you know, used to try to introduce their clients to me saying, this is our financial advisor. People will be like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to invest in stocks or I don't want to invest in anything. Mm-hmm. But finance is so much more than investing. And mm-hmm. I feel like that is the factor that just kind of scares people away from financial planning because they think that they need to have a lot of like extensive knowledge about stocks or how the stock market works, which mm-hmm. obviously is not something that every person can understand, you know, to the best of their ability. But it's not just um about investing financial planning or literacy has a lot of different layers so um the benefits of you know financial independence and literacy are evident the power of making your own decisions mm-hmm. um you know i was I, as i was say, saying earlier that i was amazed to see the amount of women who are you know working capable and you know in high powered roles saying that they don't make their own financial decisions. Um, Mm -hmm. They don't know anything about their combined finances with their husband, for example. Mm -hmm. And I, I was, you know, when I was new to the role, I was like, you know, you're successful, you're financially capable, you make a lot of money. And you're telling me that you can make like, for example, 300, 300 K a year, 200 K a year, but you, don't know how much you contribute to your retirement. It's like very basic things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give you an example for, you know, in, in terms of the, the power or the, the flexibility that um, being financially, financially independent um, can give you. Like, for example, you want to quit your job and, you know, you want to rely on your husband, um, you know, you want, you want to try something different or you just hate your job and you can't, can't work there anymore um and you have cash savings or you have like six to 12 months of savings in your savings account you have uh, investment income and growth happening passively while you live your life um you can make the same bold decisions that men make more easily um because they tend to be more of risk takers than women Mm -hmm. um if you look at the pattern of you know women making risky decisions with their jobs compared to men. I feel like men are so much more like bold in that way. It's because, Mm -hmm. you know, naturally, firstly, men, men are better at taking risk. And this is something that is um, based on research, but also they have the, usually the financial independence in our culture because they are the ones who are running the household. So they know 
okay, like I'm going to be fine or, you know, I'm going to figure it out by, by taking up a different job or, you know, whatever have you. But those decisions are usually not, you know, women are not involved in those decisions. Mm So um, if, if we look at some statistics, like, you know, don't just take my word for it. It's 22% of American women report that they'd be unable to afford their lifestyle if they encountered financial difficulties compared to 13% in men. Um, If we talk about specific stats, women make 82 cents to every dollar that a man makes. Mm -hmm. Um, Boys make double the allowance that girls make for doing weekly chores. Uh, women must work 44 more days annually to make as much as their male counterparts. Wow. Only six of 111 CEOs are women. Six. So when I was doing research, very specific research, uh, you know, to, to prefer for our chat, and I came across these numbers even though I work in this industry and I know that we have a wage gap, I know that, you know, we, we don't get paid enough as men, Mm -hmm. all of those things. But when I looked at these numbers, especially when I looked at the number of CEOs who were women, Mm -hmm. I, I was appalled and I saw your face and you were too. So, you know, we need more CEOs. We need more women in positions of power. We need more aunties who invest their own money. And, you know, they talk about that at the masjid or, at the you know at the temple instead of talking about other women's clothes and stuff we need that yeah. mindset uh because when we're sitting with you know when we are sitting with the pro- professional we don't have to say let me ask my dad or let me ask my husband you know if, yeah. if somebody asks you questions about your own retirement account you should be able to answer that saying definitely yeah i know what i'm doing with my money because you know this is my money, I work very hard to make this money. So I should be the one who makes the decision or at least be involved in the decision of what happens to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And like, I basically like my dad's a banker. He's worked in banking his entire life and he's a great dad. Oh, wow. He's very, he's very, very, you know, quite progressive. And we debate and we chat about a lot of things. And, you know, like he always tells me, like, I want you to have, um, a really great career and like you know this is like important but at the same time like he hasn't really given whatever financial advice he's given to like his friends or family friends like that hasn't translated to me and I'm like now I'm like you know in recent months I've been like wait why haven't I had more chats with my like my dad he's like the king of like he's like right there (laughs) you know absolutely valid question Yeah. yeah absolutely valid question how do we go about um, educating ourselves like are there any specific tools resources or steps we can take absolutely that's a great question so I would say speak to a financial advisor preferably speak to a female financial advisor um, because you know we can relate to each other's experiences a little bit more mm-hmm. um, don't be afraid to speak to these individuals or professionals just to ed- educate yourself um, and don't be intimidated by the word finance or you know just think that I don't know anything so I'm gonna sound stupid um Mm -hmm. take a notebook like go and take notes and tell them that I'm only here to learn a little bit more about 
you know, uh, financial planning and they will give you cues about what it, what are some of the things that you can do to get, you know, get more knowledgeable about it. And then you can go back to them with questions. It doesn't mean you have to do anything in the first yeah. meeting, but just speaking to someone who has knowledge about it can make you feel really good. And it can start the process of learning um, mm-hmm. because, you know, just as trying to learn any, anything new, you have to start somewhere. So don't be embarrassed about that. Um, I would say also try to be, you know, more goal oriented, um, write down where you want to be in the next month, three months, three months, six months, and one year. And those are like short-term goals, but then also longer long-term goals. And it's okay for long-term goals to be a little bit more vague because we're not really sure, you know, about how things are going to go in the next five years. Um, but you can put certain things, um, you know, on paper just to ideally gauge where you would like to be. Yeah. Um, and um, there's nothing wrong with having a vision in mind. Exactly. Even if and then life you know, doesn't end up going that. Absolutely. 100%. And with, with finances, you know, the thing is that if you start from somewhere and you, you set down like a realistic goal, um, numbers usually are are your friend in in that case like your life may be going you know in many different directions but if you start today and if you create a habit of putting some money aside today then in the next five years um you know having taking into account like inflation and market upturns and downturns you can actually set a reasonable goal um Mm -hmm. of where you want to be financially in five years and that's what a professional can help you with like you know, let's say like I'm starting with a hundred dollars today, you know, you can ask your advisor, what would be a good amount for me to think that this money could, you know, result in five years. If yeah. I start with a hundred dollars today and I save a hundred dollars for every month for the next five years or so, you know, yeah. um, the other thing I would say, which is very important and David and I always talk about this, uh, is please negotiate your salary. Um, okay. don't, you know, I, um, this is something that I've had to learn the hard way as well, because mm-hmm. I feel like we are as women, sometimes a little bit too apologetic, a little bit too yeah. nice. Like we don't want to offend somebody or think, Oh, like we don't want to sound like we're being unreasonable or asking for asking for too much. hundred um, <laughs> percent. Yeah. And I, you know, just know your worth and prioritize like your financial freedom Mm-hmm. overspending on material items I tell this to myself every single day and it's I have so, years of training and it it's much hotter at a time like this when we're all on social media and like you know like we both are content creators um and Absolutely. it's like you know when you're creating content like of course you want to buy new outfits or this and that but we also have like an audience and we are also audience members that are in this world of mass consumerism where yes. there's so much emphasis now on also physical appearance and what you're wearing and how good your hair looks and you know (laughs) all these beauty procedures that we can spend money on so it is a very tempting lifestyle that we're being very tempting these days and it's very normal you know it's become the norm like everyone is wearing designer items everyone is wearing new outfits in every photo Um, But what I have learned as a content creator is that it's the social media's job to sell you those things Mm -hmm. because a lot of the bigger content creators, they don't 
buy a lot of those things themselves. But you having to dish out a thousand dollars when your monthly rent is two thousand dollars is a big amount, and that's okay. You know what I mean? So, so uh, for example, for me at this point, like I'm only at ten thousand followers, and I am still a micro influencer. But most of my clothing, it comes sponsored. Like I really have to go out and buy something. And since I can pick what I, you know, buy from these brands or what they sponsor me with, I actually end up picking things that I know I will wear again and again. Mm -hmm. So it may seem like I'm wearing like a $200 jacket. I didn't buy that, you know? So that is the kind of peer pressure that social media creates. And that's why it's successful by sponsoring free items to influencers and content creators, you're creating this kind of a culture of mm -hmm. other smaller creators or even big creators, like feeling peer pressured by each other to buy these things and invest yeah. in them. And that's yeah. perfectly fine. You know, like buying nice things or designer items, like I do it, everybody does it, but in a way that it can justify, you know, the, the means. Uh, and if you feel like you can justify it because, because you always know, you know, like your conscience will tell you like, okay, no, this is not the best time for me to splurge on a purse. Mm -hmm. um, listen to, listen to that. So, you know, it's very, very hard to not give into peer pressure. And I have given into it several times, but yeah. I say this because I kind of try to learn from my experience. And now, you know, that I am a full-time creator, I feel like that has also put so many things in, a different perspective for yeah. me um the other thing i would say is like having different streams of income i feel like is very important especially if you're passionate about growing your wealth um yeah no millionaire or billionaire in this world have ever become a millionaire or billionaire by having mm -hmm. one job um you need to have a side hustle you need to um you need to be doing something to earn money uh, while you're like sleeping, eating and having fun with your friends, which means passive income. Mm -hmm. And a part of that passive income, of course, is investments, but it's not the only thing, you know, Option, yeah. um, the, you, you can find something that you're good at and set it up to, to automation, like an online store or an Amazon storefront, or, you know, there's like several hundred things that you can do, but having a side hustle, especially if you're passionate about growing your wealth, is very important and it will help you tremendously in the future. Um, the other thing I would say is that having a clear view of your finances, which means having a clear view of how much money you spend, um, how much money you allow yourself to spend on certain things, you know, because all of our expenses are usually broken down into fixed and variable expenses. Mm -hmm. So your fixed expenses obviously are not going to go anywhere. So those are things you have to pay no matter what. But for variable expenses, it's good to have a ballpark of how much money you spend on food, how much money you're spending on going out. And having that clarity um, allows you to say no to something when it doesn't yeah. fit in with your budget. Um, and saying no is not embarrassing. You know, like you, you don't need to be ashamed about it. Um, I mean, if your friends, like, for example, you're, you're going out for like the fifth time in, in a week, you can say, okay, sorry guys, like I won't be able to join you today. Um, and that is totally okay. Um, and you know, there's, there's some web websites that are doing amazing work on just sharing layman financial data mm -hmm. and news. Um, and I think that it's very easy to consume and I myself subscribe to their newsletters, um, so some of my favorite are money and mimosas, which is a okay. really like 
actual kind of uh, uh sounds like fun yeah it's it, literally the name it the is the vibe you know and yeah. that's the vibe you'll get when you go to the website there's another that. website called savvy ladies um okay. again cater towards women um there's another website called nav.it um mm-hmm. and these three are are pretty much my favorite when it comes to just learning more about financial literacy and you know freedom as as women Awesome. And I will throw in um, an Instagram account that I do follow called Boss Betis. I'll mention it in the description for the episode below. And I will link the resources that Diaz also mentioned. Um, so we can just get started. And I know we spoke about, you know, women who are making an income or passive income. But what about stay at home moms? Because I mean, no judgment, like, people who are women who are happy to be stay-at-home moms, that's your choice, that's your decision, it's a life that you want to have. How can they become financially um, independent if they're not making an income or let's say they're getting an allowance from their husband or, you know, they would be interested in going to the part of passive income? Um, What would you suggest for them? Yeah, I would say that if you are you know, a a long-term stay-at-home mom, right? Like, you know that you have kids or even if you don't have kids, um, Mm -hmm. you know that you want to be a homemaker. Um, I think it's very important to sit down and have a clear budget for your household. Uh, How much money is coming in and how much money goes out every month. And obviously certain things are going to be variable, uh, but what you can do to kind of define those variables is that you can create a range. Um, so for David and I, you know, we, we practice this um, uh, ourselves is that all of our variable expenses, including entertainment, eating out, gifting, everything has a range. And if we are over that range, we know that we are out of budget this month. And for that, we have a backup savings. Um, if it feels comfortable for you, it's good to have certain money that is yours. Um, it could be coming as an allowance from your husband, or it could be coming from something that you do on the side. Uh, for example, I know that in Pakistan, I worked with this nonprofit that helped women with their own businesses. And a lot of women did basic things like making candles or making, um, you know, like uh, handicrafts. Uh, mm-hmm. They made like gift packages and they advertised mm-hmm. online. And a part of our nonprofit was to actually help them set up their social medias and teach them how to use them. So um, if you are good at something, um, you know, you can, you can start a small business just by creating an Instagram page. And if that is something too intimidating for you, then I feel like it's fair for women to demand an allowance from their husbands, because, you know, being a homemaker, sometimes women have to stay home to care for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have, a, you know, you could be married to somebody who makes a lot of money, like he's a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, um, a business owner or something. And you are you are well to do when it comes to your finances. But when it comes to your kids, you know, sending two or three kids to daycare may not be financially, um, you know, a, a good choice or you want to prioritize your time with them and you don't want to go to work. But if you were sending those kids to daycare, you would be dishing out thousands of dollars per mm-hmm. month. And I feel like when women do that, like when they give up their job or their career to take care of their children, they don't get rewarded for it. 
you know, mm-hmm. in a monetary manner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you could be getting gifts from your husband every every quarter when he gets his bonus, but that's not going to help you create um, time and space for the things that are important to you. You know, so if you have yeah. an allowance, for example, you could you could go to uh, a yoga studio once a yeah. week or twice a week, and that could be your me time. You know, you could invest yeah. in. A, a, in a spa procedure or body massage which could really help you unwind so I think yeah. that for women that are stay-at-home moms I think that it's okay to demand that stability because when it comes to finances having set ranges or set numbers really goes a long way yeah. uh, and I really would suggest that um, and don't be afraid to you know to to bring up that conversation yeah. with your partner 100% because like homemakers stay-at-home moms like you're essentially the chef, the driver, the household coordinator, the receptionist, (laughs) you know, there's so many like caps that you're throwing on and so much emotional, physical labor that, you know, it goes really unappreciated in most households. Um, And societies are thriving on the free labor of women. So Exactly. exactly. And, you know, like when I had Natasha, the relationship and divorce coach came in, she said one of her biggest like fears her clients had when it came to like making the decision of a divorce or like, you know, life after divorces, they were worried about finance and how they are going to make money and like how they're going to survive. And um, it's really unfair when you think that like, when women put so much work into a relationship, like yes, as in different ways than a man, but they walk away like homemakers walk away from that relationship almost being like well what do I have to show for it now in terms of finance like I've put in all this hard work and now I've made a decision to maybe like you know save my 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 life my kid's life whether it's like from abuse or just like unhappiness or whatever the reasons may be but like how like what do I have to show for it in terms of now being able to take care of them financially yeah 100% and And it's it's just like you are thriving while you're getting free labor from this woman like I when the pandemic hit and I was reading this article by uh, Melissa Gates that there is no um paid leave like there's no paid family leave and the U.S. is the only biggest country that doesn't have a paid family leave for for women which means that if we have to like for example when you're working from home women were like it was 4x the amount of work that they usually have because usually for for women going to work is also a little bit of an escape. The kids are at Mm -hmm. school, the husband is at work and you also get to dress up and go to work and do something that is not like cooking or cleaning. But when you're at home, your kids are going to homeschool like online and you're taking care of that, then you're taking care of food, then you're taking care of your own job. And between all of that, you have no time for yourself. And all of those jobs that if you hired somebody for them, you would be paying them a good amount of money. So why is it fair for women to have to do it for free? Because, you know, that's just how the norm is. But that's mm-hmm. why I say that don't be afraid to um, to have that conversation with your partner and demand an, demand an allowance for as long as you, you have to stay at home, uh, you know, mm-hmm. however long that may be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely switching topics a little bit I'm sure some of your followers who are listening in already know this but you did recently switch into a full-time content creator and did leave your career in the finance industry how much of a role did financial stability and independence um lead to that or play um, a role in that 
Yeah, very, very huge role, I would say. Um, that's why I used it as an example before, um, because I currently am living off of my savings and I'm actually doing great. Um, I I get paid, um, like paid work, you know, in between and I'm able to recoup some of the the, the money that I spend day to day. But I have the privilege of having, you know, David, you know, a very caring husband. And so naturally he's helping me um, helping me out, but my personal expenses, you know, I pay them myself. And that is something that I insist on because I want to know that this is something that I can continue to pay even Mm -hmm. while I am in the transition of becoming a full-time content creator. Um, and I'm also currently investing in, uh, my company and so far all by myself. And that's a project that I haven't really talked about a lot, but once it's in a stage where I can reveal more, I will definitely love to share more uh, with you and everybody else. But, um, I would just say, you know, I'm the prime example of what financial independence can do for you. Um, my job, um, that I have been very passionate about that I, have invested so much time uh, and effort into it became very toxic and it became something that I couldn't sustain any longer mm-hmm. and um, I definitely had to think a very long time before I made the decision and I wanted to make sure that I was financially capable of making yeah. that decision too yeah um, and you know sometimes a lot of the the bigger decisions in life that we think are very scary are scary because we have limited resources when it comes to money you know, need to move to a different city, it costs money, you know, need to make a career change costs money, like, um, a lot of the a lot of the major decisions in life that you sometimes can take on a whim or can take a lot more easily, if you have a safety net, um, Mm -hmm. those stressors just become so much easier, like, you know, so much less intimidating, if you have some sort of a, a backup in terms of finances. So, um, I feel like that is the the power of financial independence. And when I left work, you know, so many of my coworkers, they were like, oh my God, like, you're so brave. Like, I wish I could leave here. I wish that I could, could do something that I actually enjoy doing. Um, mm-hmm. And they were like, no, but I have bills. Like I have kids, I have a wife and, you know, stuff like that. Um, so, so many of them had actually ideas for small businesses. Like one of my coworkers, he wanted to be a realtor. Um, but he's like, I currently don't have the resources to take that step. Maybe it will take me another yeah. year to, to consider, you know, switching. Yeah. Cause with a job comes like a, a paycheck every two weeks, but be medical benefits like PTO. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and those are the things that they use to keep you there. Um, yeah. and once you spend like five years at a job after five years, the chances that you're going to leave become less and less Mm -hmm. it becomes less and less likely that this person is going to leave this company after 10 years I mean it's yeah it's way lesser so something's probably um, gonna have to go horribly wrong or they're getting like an amazing offer somewhere else yes exactly so I would say that you know no matter how much money you make um you can make the most of it by having a financial plan and um, most of the time that I worked with financially fluent clients, but I never turned away someone on the basis of their assets. And my youngest client, actually, when I left, made 40K a year and she had a financial plan with me with wow. which she was still saving money. So I can't stress enough, you know, especially for women just to 
have a robust financial um, financial plan. And that's just yeah. what helped me make that big decision into moving uh, into content creation full time. Yeah, definitely. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. And would you ultimately recommend a career in finance for other women? I would. I really would. Because I think that um, it was my dream to... Um, to create, like when I was still working at my firm, uh, to create an organization for women. Um, and I, I've talked about this with some of my friends as well. I wanted to um, create resources for women, not just um, all women, but I wanted to somehow focus on the South Asian uh, women group or you know the the Muslim women group because I feel like a lot of times. Um, in addition to culturally, uh, religiously also, women can be kind of intimidated from going into the financial field. So I wanted to create this organization and I would 100% recommend um, girls going into finance because everything that men do, you know, we can do it and we can mm-hmm. honestly do it better. Um, <laughs> I know that if a guy's listening to this, they're going to laugh or probably David listen to this, he's going to laugh. But I feel like we are better planners, we are better managers, and we are so much better at multitasking. And when it comes to like being a little bit type A and being very organized, um, I feel like women are so much better at that. And every single day we are doing that, you know, we're juggling our jobs and our home and our parents and our husbands and our kids. So um, I I don't think why, you know, I don't think of a reason why we couldn't thrive in the financial industry as well. you know, I feel like women, you know, they, they give birth and they return to work like two months later and it, it just, just like they didn't spend one year, like, you know, uh, cultivating a life inside of mm-hmm. them. Um, and we're literally unstoppable. And yeah. I just feel like, you know, we are better at finance in general. Like I, um, whenever I have spoken to women that have their finance, down. I've been so impressed with their ability to manage um, their households in that in, in such an efficient manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think that as as a household, it's in our um, in in the benefit of a couple or a household altogether for a woman to be invested in the finances of. Um, of the entire household because I feel like it just creates a better environment also for kids to grow up in and you don't need to have those fights about money where the wife is saying I want to buy new furniture and the the husband is saying I don't have any money you know those conversations will not happen if both of you are together in in your finances and you literally have you know a clear picture of your combined household responsibilities Mm -hmm. Um, you will not be having those fights or because, yeah. you know, money fights or financial reasons are um, one of the major stressors for newly married, like couples. couples yeah. um, so um, I, I would say if you, um, you know, if you find a good mentor, finance can be a very rewarding career. Um, I would just warn you that it's a very male dominant yeah uh culture and sometimes can also be very sexist mm-hmm. um but i would say that all i mean girls 
all of you girls like you know we can run circles around any man in a in a suit you know for you so um go get them and if you have any questions feel free to dm me uh you know my dms are always open i always have the most amazing conversations with um with girls on instagram that is true as one of them who has (laughs) conversations with you i can second that (laughs) yeah that's like one of the best parts of being on social media and i think that that's what keeps us going those connections and those relationships that we build with each other and the way that we build each other up yeah definitely and to wrap it up i'm going to ask you to give two pros and two cons for our listeners on working with finance yeah cons i think i already mentioned so many right like um uh but i i would like to mention pros now because um i think that that will encourage more girls to actually consider this as a field. Um, one of the major pros is that you learn so much. In addition to industry-specific knowledge, you learn just to speak with every kind of person. And I, I will tell you that that is a wonderful skill to have. People's skills will help you. They will take you farther in life than anything else because regardless of how much knowledge you have, if you know how to conduct yourself in a room full of strangers um, and you are the point of authority there, you're the person that they're listening to, um, it can be very intimidating when you're sitting in an office, you know, on a desk in a suit and you're super young and somebody walks into your office and for example, I mean, um, they're like an FBI officer because this happened to me mm-hmm. and they're asking you questions and you're just like new at your job, Yeah. but you do know what you're talking about. It's just that you don't have the level of confidence that, you know, somebody five years into the job and as opposed to a guy sometimes will have in a way that when, when you speak versus, and this is also based on research that mm-hmm. when men and women are in a room and a man speaks, he commands more um attention uh, our brain the way that they rec- it recognizes a man's voice versus a woman's voice is different so i would say that that skill that you learn to speak to all types of people um once you have that you can thrive um in any environment and then you know you get the, the second major benefit is that you learn the ropes of working in a very like high network circle so like sophistication and naturally you will learn a lot about how corporate America works um, Mm -hmm. very quickly. (laughs) Um, But you will also get insight on how countries operate or how economies thrive. And just um, you will get exposed to such a different type of knowledge that you didn't learn in your books or in school. And it will challenge you to do more, learn more and grow more Mm -hmm. um, as as a person. And I'm sure you can tell I'm like so passionate about this because I feel like it's just such an amazing opportunity for you as an individual and more so uh, as a girl. So uh, yeah, so those are my pros for, for finance. Thank you so much, Dia, for your advice and for teaching us. I feel like I've learned so much today that I'm like, okay, I also like just got um a new job recently. So awesome. first job in Australia. So I'm already like, oh, I get to make some money. But also like now my plan is to like save as much as possible because I've been a student for so long now that like my yeah. top priority now is to like start saving and like planning for the future. So this 
episode was so perfectly timed out for even my new journey in Aww. life. And I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, and I know like a lot of my listeners are either like young studying or working women or even moms. So I feel like for my audience, they're really going to appreciate your advice. And there's something... And it, like something you have said today would have resonated with them. So thank you so much for this chat. Oh, thank you so much, Andrea. Um, I, I really appreciate you giving me the chance to to share these things. Um, and before before we wrap up, I'll just say that, you know, if you are a student or if, if you are a student just going into your first job, I would very highly encourage you to tap into investments and set up your retirement from day one. Mm-hmm. Because... Mm-hmm having those like if you start at age 23 versus starting at age 33 um even if you put like the the minimum amount in your retirement funds or in your investment funds just start with something very small today and definitely tap into that power of investments because one of the biggest factors is the compounding factor so the sooner you start um the better and always strive to have like six to 12 months of your savings in cash and or at least build up to it mm-hmm. um and kind of give yourself like that reward uh culture where once you save enough for one month like give yourself a small reward yeah. and then two months three months that and that will kind of help you keep going so if somebody um is in a similar boat because i know that sometimes you don't have enough funds that you can go actually see an advisor yeah. about it and yeah. that that was a challenge with a lot of students that i met um mm-hmm. and i know that a lot of companies have like a minimum at which you have to start so mm-hmm. you don't you may not be able to speak to somebody who you know will welcome um uh, a, a new student or somebody just starting out so if you are in that situation feel free to dm me but i just wanted to give those small tips for somebody in your situation and thank you so much for thank spending you. your time today chatting with me about this oh i'm so excited to have this episode out there <laughs> <laughs> i can't but, wait yeah to wrap it up everyone make sure to show dia some love i'm going to put in all her details below and also the resources that she and the one that i mentioned make sure to check it out um do some more research dig deep get your confidence get financially literate we love to see it we love empowered women um taking charge of the world and taking charge of their wallets and bank accounts and future you know safety net um on that note stop drop roll rate review subscribe and follow do the same for dia and i can't wait to have the next episode out stay safe loveys Mwah.